This, mor- this morning's message is entitled, uh, It Ought Not To Be, It Ought Not To Be, emphasis on ought, O-U-G-H-T, variation of spelling is A-U-G-H-T in um, other languages, um, but it ought not to be, did I offend you? Did I offend you? So this message, uh, you know, we have been talking about, uh, as a metaphor, we've been discussing doing business as a franchise, when really our franchise is our lives, all right? So we've been talking about the family business, God's family business, and how he as the corporation, the kingdom, allows us to establish a franchise to set up in the world and the earth to serve him. And that franchise really is our lives. So our lives are a service to God and we must do whatever it takes to keep our lives in good standing with God. So as we serve God in the earth, we must do whatever we can to keep our lives in good standing with God, with ourselves and with others in order to have impact in the world. Now, today I'm going to tell you really there's one thing that will hinder your service, your franchise. It will block, just like Facebook blocked us, God will block your offering, your worship, your service, your gift to him. He will block it. There's one thing, and I want to talk to you about that. Our service to God, our, maybe that's why I did it. That, there you go. There it is. That's why the Lord allowed it. So you, you really know how you will be blocked if you commit this situation. Our service to God or our franchise, listen, as we serve God, that is our offering. All right. So as we serve God in the earth as a franchise, that is our offering. So I spend my life giving because my life is the sacrifice. My life is given away. My um, moniker on YouTube is a life poured out. That's that's my that's my mantra. I'm a life poured out. So that giving is an offering and a sacrifice to God. What I don't want to happen is that in the middle of my offering the sacrifice that God blocks or rejects my offering. That's what I don't want to happen, just as we saw this morning. So let's look at Romans 12.1. Let me give you a scripture here. And the scripture says, for support, he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So clearly our bodies are a living and holy sacrifice. And so Paul is telling the believer to present your bodies a living sacrifice, a holy and living sacrifice. We are to present our lives as an offering. So I want you to see how scripture says we are an offering. And he says, present your bodies, uh, a living sacrifice 
acceptable. There it is. Acceptable to God. Somebody say acceptable. So in other words, the offering must be acceptable. If it is not accepted, then it is rejected. Your offering is blocked. So what we we have to understand what is it in our lives that would keep our offerings from being accepted by God. The text says then in addition to that he says the acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of of worship. So your gift or your living as a sacrifice is your service of worship. It is your reasonable act of worship. All right? So let me go back. Let me go back. So I give my life, all right? I I give my life as an offering, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice which should be acceptable to God. And that act of giving my life is a an act of worship. It is my service of worship. So when we worship God, so like when we come to church and we worship God and we send up our praise and we try to connect with him, we want to make sure that that worship is acceptable. Are you tracking? So this whole thing about, remember the title of the sermon is, it ought not to be. So we don't, in other words, we don't want anything to keep us or keep our worship from reaching God. Are you tracking? So our spiritual service of worship is our act of worship and it must be accepted. So let me go to the next slide and I want you to understand that we are in service. We are to serve God in the earth. So as we serve God in the earth, we are we are actually offerings in the earth. We are walking offerings in the earth. We are walking sacrifices in the earth. But watch this now. Every sacrifice, every gift, we talk about gifted people. Gifted people are a gift, which is a sacrifice, which is an offering, and it must be acceptable. But every sacrifice needs an altar, all right? Every sacrifice needs an altar. So watch this now. On the earth, in the earth, all over the world are altars. Every one of us, let's say, let's just take the U.S. Let's say 300 million Americans, 300 plus 300 plus million Americans. In the U.S., let's say, let's say 100 million are Christians. So let's say 100 million are sacrifices walking the earth. We are in the earth serving God. And while we are serving God in Long Beach, Compton, L.A., Oakland, wherever we are, there are altars in the earth. Listen carefully. In a certain sense, earth houses the altars where we offer our gifts to the Lord. So somewhere in earth, on earth, is an altar where we place our gift on the altar in order for it to be acceptable to God. Ah, you're going to miss it. Let me wind it back, Shauna. So you can't just take your sacrifice and give it to God. You must put it on the altar. And then the altar determines whether it is acceptable to God or not. Are you tracking? 
So the earth is like the pulpit area raised above the pews. So in other words, you know how you go to church and you have the pews out there, but then the pulpit is, is raised a little bit and it's got little banners or banisters around it where you come and kneel. So just see yourself. The earth is like the pulpit area raised above the pews, but the altar is the sacred place where the actions of our hearts occur and determine if we are fit for service. Watch this now. So many people traipse around the earth in the pulpit area daily, but few lay something on the altar. Watch this now. We were taught in the church that you were not supposed to touch the communion table. You were not supposed to touch the holy area or the altar area or the sacrifice area. Watch this now. The altar is where the gift is actually given. Now, many want to give, but they never do. They have no altar. In other words, there are many gifted people. This is going to be good. Stay with me, little Ben. There are many gifted people on the earth walking around the earth with something to give, but they have no altar to give it to God on. Watch this now. So the altar is where the gift is given. In other words, many want to give, but they have no altar. But the altar, listen, here it is. I'm giving it to you, Sharon. The altar of life is where our sacrifices lay. It is in what we do for others. Those are our sacrifices. So watch this. So you can say you want to give, all you want, I want to give, I want to be a blessing to people. That's beautiful. You're a gifted sacrifice walking the earth. The altar is created when you actually make the sacrifice, when you write the check, when you pick up the person off the ground, when you feed the hungry or the homeless, when you actually do something for someone, that's when the sacrifice occurs and that's when the altar is made. But I'm coming to tell you that there are many people, first of all, who don't give or do anything, but there are some people who actually do give, but their gift is not accepted. Ah, uh, listen to what I'm saying, because the gift has been blocked. It has been rejected for this one reason. Now, we haven't gotten to it yet. I haven't gotten there yet, but I want you to understand the goal from today's text is to make sure that those sacrifices are acceptable to God in the earth. So this is our whole point of today's message is to make sure that when I wake up every morning that whatever I'm gifted to do, whoever I'm gifted to be, whenever I make that sacrifice or use that gift and create that altar, my goal is to make sure that it gets through. Are you tracking? Nobody wants to go to the ATM, to the teller, to put money in and it doesn't go in or to get money out and it doesn't come out. Do you get what I'm saying? So why would I live my life as a Christian busy doing stuff that isn't being accepted by ah, God? I feel him now. So here is one thing that can make your worship, your service 100% ineffective. This is the one thing that can make your worship and your service ineffective, and it is brotherly offense. Brotherly offense, when there is an ought against you, 
you can be 100% gift rejected, unacceptable. Your life means nada in the kingdom of God. Jesus, now watch this. Jesus is teaching a new era of religion. He's teaching a new era of religion. The old religion was, you know, fight with the sword, die with the sword. It was a law. So you 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 murder, you get murdered. It was a tit for tat, right? So now Jesus is introducing a new era of religion. There's been a shift in the policy. There's been new documentation giving, and it's different from what they're used to. So now the writer here in Matthew tells us what that change is. So let me show you what this is that's going to render us ineffective in scripture. And that is Matthew 5 and verse number, Matthew 5 verse number 21, Matthew 5 verse number 21. This must be a good message. I got all kinds of stuff happening today here. Matthew 5 and 21 says, you have heard that the ancients, uh, were told you shall not commit murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. So in other words, I want you to focus, leave it on the screen, focus on the first part. He says, you've heard that the ancients were told. In other words, the old, the old regime was you heard it. You shall not murder and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. So then let's go to the next verse. Then that tells us, it says in verse 22, he says, but I say, here's the new order. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, we go from murder to just angry. Whoever is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool or raka shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So listen to me carefully. Let's 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 make sure we understand this. All right. So verse 21 tells us you've heard it said that if you kill someone, you're in danger of the judgment. That's how the old order goes. But I'm saying to you now, Jesus says that you'll be in danger of the judgment if you don't clear your life from offenses with your brother or your sister in the family business. So God says, watch this. So I, God says, listen to me. You sitting up here talking about, well, I didn't murder nobody. God says, okay, that was the old rule. If you murder, you get murdered. God says, you'll be, you'll be in trouble with the judgment. In other words, your gift cannot be accepted even if you get angry at somebody or someone is angry at you. Ooh, wait a minute now, PC. Wait a minute. Help help us here now because there's a whole lot of folk we might be angry with and they're angry with us. So the text is clearly saying, if you, you've heard the ancients say, you know, you shall not commit murder. He says, don't commit murder. Whoever does commit murder shall be in trouble of judgment. But here... He says in 22, he says, but I say, if you don't know how to treat your brother right, or you don't, if you can't get along in personal relationships, notice the term is brother. So we're talking about on family level. We're talking about in the body of Christ. We're talking about the family business. So if there's a rift in the family because of you, 
You're in danger of the judgment. Pause. So let me explain this a little further. I just want you to understand that initially there's a change of order. If you murder, you're in trouble. God is saying now, if you just get angry at your brother, you in trouble. You with me? All right. So let me explain it further. Let's go to the next text. Let's, let's break this down. So now we understand. Now we're going to get into what that is that's going to get you rejected. Verse 23 says this. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Let me read that again. If you're presenting your offering, I'm living my life in the world. I'm making a sacrifice. I'm giving to the church. I'm worshiping in the choir. And while I'm singing precious Lord, I remember that my own brother, that my brother in the body of Christ, somebody out in the church has a problem with me. This is good teaching. So 24 says, here's what he says. Leave your offering there before the altar. In other words, drop your gift. Stop singing in the choir. Stop singing precious Lord. Stop giving your offering. I don't want your money. I don't want, I don't want you feeding the kids. I don't want you feeding the homeless. I don't want you going down to visit the people at the adolescent house. I don't want you doing anything. He says, leave your offering before the altar and go do what? First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. So go fix who's mad at you. Go get that resolved. In other words, leave your gift at the altar. I ain't taking it. It's rejected. It's blocked. Ain't nothing you can do. Can't get into heaven. It's not coming up here. Go fix your problem with the one who has a problem with you. So then the next verse says, make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. In other words, make friends quickly with people who've got an issue with you so they won't use what they have on you to take you to court and throw you before the judge. In other words, squash it quickly so that you so they don't use the dirt they have against you to hurt you. Are you tracking? Are we good internet wise? All right. Let me read the last verse. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid the last cent. In other words, all right. In other words, listen, if if you don't squash, if you don't leave your offering at the altar, go back and fix that. God says, you the last verse says, you will not come out of that situation until you fully pay them for what you did wrong to them. In other words, the you are in the hands of your consequences. Woo. 
But if you resolve it like God asks you to, you're in the hands of a loving and forgiving God. How many of you know that you've made some dumb decisions and you still, you still reaping the repercussions of the consequences of that choice 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago? Because you didn't handle it the way God asked you to, your consequences are impacting your service to God. Oh, this is deep. So your personal life can jack up your worship life. If you cannot resolve issues, listen, and I want you to be clear. If you cannot resolve issues that you know people have with you, the consequences from that lack of resolution is going to eat you the rest of your life. In other words, it's going to eat you alive. You will not come out of it until they die. You pay them off. You do. In other words, you know how people are. Some people, they ain't going to never forgive you until basically they go to heaven. Do you want that? Because watch this now, as long as you, listen, as long as you, as long as you don't go and try to do something about it, your offering is blocked. So all I'm saying is, while I am a living sacrifice, living on earth, let's say I'm a preacher, I'm doing worship service, I'm trying to be a blessing to people, I'm trying to do everything. But let's say somebody down the street while I'm preaching right now, let's say my neighbor two doors down, I remember while I'm preaching that they are mad at me. If I remember that, God says, stop preaching, turn off the internet, go and resolve that issue and don't get back online until it's done. I should just stop right there. I think, all right, there's there's a reason that the internet went off because y'all don't want to hear this, right? All right, so let me give you a couple of principles that'll help outline this. Let Let me help you understand this. Let me give you a couple of principles here. Number one, this text is just saying, I'm going to recap it, um, Sharita, all this is saying is live your life as a gift. So my first point of order and origin is to live my life as a gift. If it's, if, listen, if, if it's true that an unsettled difference with my brother is likened to the same consequence of a murder before God, then the following should be heeded. In other words, God is saying an offense, listen, if you offended somebody, and we're talking about you, if you offended somebody, somebody's feeling some kind of way because of you, God says, I liken that offense to the same level of murder. Dang. Did I, did I read the text? Are y'all reading the same text that I'm reading? God says your lack of willingness to resolve an issue with your brother or your sister in the body of Christ or your own personal family or your neighbor, whatever they are, is equated to the judgment of murder. So what am I saying? Some people's worship can't reach God because basically they're murderers. 
dang. I got a stool right here. I'm just going to sit down for a second. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to come out the light cuz So you listen, God says, "Don't sing me a song. Don't open your ministry. Don't try to feed the hungry. Don't do it if you can't resolve Listen, if you can't live your life as a gift. So, live your life as a gift means that you are to bring yourself before God. Let's walk through the text. So I am a gift. Something you are giving to God is a gift. A gift is service. A gift is money. A gift is singing. A gift is helping. A gift is whatever it is. Live your life as a gift. I am the offering. Live your life on the earth, offering yourself as a living sacrifice. We read that in Romans 12, right? So you must bring, now notice this, you must bring the gift. Listen, ain't nobody nobody coming to your house to bring the church to your house. Listen, internet, listen, we basically bringing it into into your house. But you have to get up. You have to turn it on. You have to be the gift. You have to bring the gift to God. The effort is on you to bring your offering to people. God isn't going to buy his own gift and offer it to himself. In other words, the people aren't going to come to you off the street and say, we need help. You must go into the world and make disciples. You must offer your cookies. You make heck of a oatmeal cookie. Well, make 20 bags. And for every person who stands by the freeway asking for a handout, you start your ministry and go and be a gift. So every time you give that bag of cookies to someone, That is an altar you create, which sends up a gift to God. Are you tracking? Mm -hmm. So to bring your life as a gift is to live your life with purpose. I'll say that again. To bring your life as a gift is to live your life with purpose. In other words, you cannot live your life as a gift if you don't know what your gift is. If you don't know your purpose, if you don't know God's will for your life, if you don't know what he's called you to do, there's no way you're offering your gift to God on the level that he's accepting it. So to bring your life as a gift is to live your life on purpose. I know what I'm called to do. I'm writing books. Everything about my gifting is is connected to messaging. I'm a messenger. I give messages in song, I give messages in books writing, I give messages in speaking, I give messages in videography, I give messages in counseling, I give messages on seven or eight different platforms. I know what I'm called to do. So my sacrifices occur when I visit the sick, when I preach, when I do a video, when I sing a song. My book, The Art of Provision, is a gift to God. (laughs) Okay, so I'm living my life as a gift. Let's go to the next one. Second, keep a good memory. Keep a good memory, D-Lo. In other words, don't forget the wrongs you've done to others. Don't forget the wrongs you've... Keep a good memory, because if... Let me tell you something. If you do dirt and then just run off like you, you ain't hurt nobody... Hold on, God is keeping a record book. He's keeping a record book. There may be people that you have offended and never fixed it. And if that's true, 
your offerings will be rejected. Your life as a gift is unacceptable. Because you, let me tell you something, let me make this clear. Let me, let me make this clear. Some of you don't want to remember and you suppress the truth thinking, if I can't remember it, I can't be accountable for it. Blah, blah, blah. God knows what you did and he knows if there's someone in the world who is sitting at home hurt and offended because of something you said or did and then you want to come to church and worship and say, oh Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, bless me. God says, get out of my face. You cannot praise me. You cannot worship me if you cannot remember who you hurt. Dang. I ain't even talking no more. This is the Holy Spirit. Jesus help me. So, listen. Don't forget the wrongs you've done to others. It could definitely be a life stopper for you. And some people's lives are backed up and bottled up and nothing is breaking through because you keep hurting people. You keep offending people. And, and mind you, everybody makes mistakes. The, the bigger problem is you don't go fix it. The text says, when bringing your gift, if you're standing, here's, here's what I like. Everybody remember Black, Black Friday, you know, Cyber Sale, Cyber, Cyber Sunday. Okay, Joy, tell me, of course, you yeah, have the demons from hell. Hallelujah. Stand so, you know, never mind. I, I digress. So, you, you imagine people standing in line and they have, watch this now, you have in your wallet $200 for the new Apple phone that's coming out. But let's say you standing in line, five o'clock in the morning, you standing in line and you next move up, next move up. But right when you get up to the line to get ready to get your phone, the scripture says you remember, you remember that somebody has an art with you. There it is. He who has an art with you. If you know, if you remember someone who has an art with you, it ought not to be. In other words, there should be no arts. There should be no arts against you. He who has an art against you, if you're standing in line and then all of a sudden you remember, God says, get out of line, get out of the apple line. Guess what? You lose your place. You can't come back and then just jump back in line. Ooh, dang, I'm going to sit down again. Wait a minute. I'm going to sit down. This is unheard of. So God says, listen, you get in line. You're getting ready to give your offering. You remember you offended someone. Someone has an issue with you. It's a valid concern. It's an ought. Your memory of a bad relationship with others tells you get out of line. And the fact, listen to me, listen to me, Charles, the fact that you remember the bad relationship can actually save your good relationship with God. So I don't want you to think, I don't want to remember that drama. No, 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 no. If you fix the bad, it helps your good with God. So an art is, if your brother has an art with you, it means they have a thing with you. That's what art means. It just means a thing. They have a thing with you. So some of you are saying, well, well, what qualifies as an offense? <laughs> a thing. If it's a thing to 
Woo, Jesus, Jesus. Hold on, hold on. If it's a thing to them, I don't care if you agree or disagree with, well, I didn't mean it that way. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. They feel the offense. They feel the hurt. They are upset. They feel wronged. It is not for you to agree with whether or not that is valid in the concern of that. Now, it's got to be something real, but, but it can't be made up. But the point is, you don't uh, minimize their pain by saying, well, I didn't do that or defending or arguing. God didn't say go defend and argue. He says, go reconcile. That's the term. Be reconciled, reconciliate. In other words, reconnect, heal, and make amends. So someone who has a thing from you for you, in, in other words, this is an offense against you. I'm not talking about you against them, but this too is implied. It, it, it is implied too that if you got issues with anybody, handle that stuff. But this text here particularly says, Watch this now. You cannot offer to God if you've hurt somebody and won't fix it. Pow. That's it right there. Jimmy Fallon, I'm sitting down. Come on in. Let me ask the TV people come on, to take over right now because this is done. The point is, you cannot say that you're a worshiper of God. You cannot lift up praise. And that's what praise must be. A sacrifice of praise. If you don't get up, you don't get dressed. If you don't make a sacrifice to, to worship God, if you, I don't feel like clapping. I don't, well then, fine, sit your butt down. You, worship must be a sacrifice because sacrifice creates the altar. And the altar is where the acceptableness is. And we haven't learned in church. We, I'm thankful that we're teaching this. We haven't learned in church to make sure that our gifts and offerings are accepted. All we know is just how to put them up there. Nobody's ever taught us how do we make sure to get. When I pray and I pray in Jesus name. The Bible says in Romans 8 that we don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit helps us with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words. Do you know that sometimes you pray. If you're praying the wrong thing. It doesn't get to heaven. Do you know that? And the Holy Ghost has to help your prayer, pray it to the Father on your behalf because you're praying wrong. Well, that don't make sense, PC. What does the Bible say in James? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. King James Version means you ask evilly. In other words, you can ask for the wrong things. You can worship with a wrong heart. You can be singing in the choir week after week you can be feeding the hungry and none of it rises above the ceiling of the church you're in. Dang. So if you know someone who has a problem with you, ain't nothing getting in, ain't nothing getting up there until you fix it. Let me go on to the next thing because I, I think people probably jumped off now. The internet ain't even broke, but they probably just left, right? Let me go to the next one. Number three, be okay with leaving. Be okay with leaving. I want to say this, and I'm, I just got to take my time. I want to say this. I never hear people talking about pause in your life. You know, everybody tell you, oh, it, it, this is just wrong. Church people mean well. 
But church people tell you, oh, don't quit. Oh, they, they, they tell you, don't quit. I ain't telling you to quit, but I'm telling you to pause. Ain't nobody asking you to quit, but I'm telling you to stop what you're doing. Because what you're doing is ineffective. You are in the way. I was watching, oh Jesus, I was watching the Indianapolis 500, I don't know if 500, Indianapolis race, but it was in Detroit yesterday. And and there was a number car, I think it was number 24. He was, no, he was like in 24th place. But he had been lapped so many times, he was in the way of car number one, leader one, two, and three. And in other words, the number three couldn't pass to get to number two because that car was in the way. In other words, some people are in the way at church. You're in the way. Here's what I'm saying. Ain't no way he could win. There's no way you can, there's no way your praise is getting up. <laughs> Move out the way. <laughs> but you'd rather come to church and complain and bicker and gripe about what you don't like and who you don't like and the songs you don't like rather than getting out of the way. And some of us need to preach and teach that it's okay to put saints on pause. Your life needs to get together because you, what you're doing is in the way. It is not reaching heaven. It is not reaching God's glory. And somebody in the church ought to have enough discernment to know that what you're doing is spinning wheels, boo. All you're doing is taking up church air. You waste our lights. You are messing up our choir. You're taking up a tennis seat in the tennis section. And you should be out there getting your life together. How in the world can you come and worship God and you know your wife is mad at you because you hurt her feelings? God says, sit out the choir. In other words, be okay with leaving. Be okay with God putting you on pause. I've been on pause before. I, the Lord don't put me on pause. <laughs> don't mess, don't mess, I know what pause is. I know what pause. Pause while I'm in counseling. Pause while I'm asking for forgiveness. Pause while I'm working out the record. Pause while I'm paying off the creditor. Pause. I've been on pause. I know what pause is. It's a struggle. And let me just be personal. Sometimes Joy and I are trying to do ministry together. We're trying to, and if something's not right between us, I have to pause the project because it's not genuine. We sit down on film, we're trying to do this, and it's not, I have to pause until what? Until we reckon. I'm telling people always saying, live your best life. How about pause your good life to get your best life? In other words, some of you don't think you're hurting anybody, but I'm telling you, you're in the way. There's no way you can win that fight, boo. There's no way you're going to win to get to heaven. I'm telling you, pause your life, get it together, go to counseling, please, get your attitude together, ask somebody to forgive you, please say you sorry. It's not about you being right. It's about canceling the offense. <sighs> Sometimes it's just good practice to stop what you're doing for God temporarily. I didn't say quit, but I did say pause. The Bible said, why do I say pause? Why do I say? Because the Bible said, while you stand in line and you remember you offended somebody, what do he say? Leave your gift right there at the altar. In other words, leave it. In other words, don't take the gift with you. In other words, the point is what you're going to do, you don't need your gift. Your gift is on lock. Your gift is on suspension. Your gift is on... Has any... 
anybody's gift ever been on, man, this is good preaching. This is, boy, listen. In other words, he says, and the term for leave means to abandon it. It means don't use it. It means neglect it. Let it be disregarded. In other words, don't pick up your singing. Don't pick up your preaching. Don't pick up your Sunday school teaching if you can't pick up forgiveness for somebody you offended. Put your guitar in the closet and leave it. That's what I'm saying. Be okay with leaving it. Notice the text said, the text said, leave it before the altar, not on the altar, before the altar. In other words, put it right there. Put it in, in other words, leave it in the sight of God. He'll watch it until you return. In other words, it's still in proximity to the altar. It's reachable by the one that it's left to. In other words, don't take the gift with you. Leave the gift before the altar. And when you're ready to come back, the gift will be there. Oh, am I helping anybody? I got to move on. I'm running out of time. Doggone it. Running out of time. Ain't gonna make it. Number four, fix what you broke. Fix what you broke. If you broke something, fix it. If you broke, listen, pushing, you drop the glass. The glass broke. Sweeping the glass under the rug is gonna get you blocked. <laughs> the, the glass has to be swept up and you must apologize. I remember... I remember I was doing backflips in the living room all the way running down the hallway. Me and Ducci, my brother, I was running. He was watching me because he couldn't flip as quite as good as me. But I flip. I go in the living room. I flip. And I hit a backflip. My head hit the table. Well, immediately I became blackmail material to my brother because he could use that again. <laughs> Sharon, you remember, you remember, do you remember the glass on the corner of the table was sliced? I tried to put duct tape on it to fix. Do you hear what I'm saying? My point is my worship, my gift was no good. Woo. As long as you keep putting tape on it, you keep trying to bandaid it. You keep trying to heal it. Nobody, you it's not going to work for you until you come clean. Mama, I was flipping in the living room when I wasn't supposed to because you told us don't flip in the living room. You said don't flip in the living room. I flipped in the living room. I broke the table. In other words, I broke the rule. Let me go back to the beginning. Me not coming clean with mommy is the same judgment as murder. So the text says, fix what's broken. In other words, be reconciled. Leave what you, so the point is, leave your gift, be okay with leaving, to go and fix it and reconcile. Fix it. And what do we talk about? Quality control. In other words, things that show you something is wrong. Don't just say, ooh, that's wrong, and leave it. That's dumb. See it's wrong and fix it. That's what reconciling is. 
Reconcile means to change the mind of the one who thinks bad of you. Do all in your power to convince them. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it that way. Here's some flowers. Let me take you to lunch. In other words, to whatever degree that they need to break that offense or bad feeling is what you got to pay out. And you can be, well, I don't take all that. Well, it took all that for you to hurt them. Now you don't want to treat them to dinner or lunch to make it okay? The onus is on you. They don't need to come to you. So all of you sitting there thinking, I'm just serving the Lord. I'm serving the Lord and whoever I offended need to come find me. You're a murderer. (laughs) The onus is on you. The Bible said, remember who you've offended. You have to remember who you hurt. If they, listen, you have to go to them. If they reject your efforts, exhaust all your efforts, then return to the altar. I'm not saying they will 100% forgive you, but do everything in your power to squash it. You can't be responsible for their response, but you can be responsible for your offer. I can't tell you how to forgive me, but I can tell you I'm sorry. In other words, exchange, what am I saying? Exchange your offering to God for an offering to the one you offended. Leave your offering there, leave your spiritual offering there, and then take your carnal fleshly offering, because that's how you hurt them. You hurt them in the flesh. You hurt them physically, personally, emotionally. Take your physical, emotional self and offer them an opportunity to reconcile the difference. God is saying, what is God? God is saying, don't leave me your gift. I love you. I ain't got a problem with you. Don't, in other words, don't come to church offering me up stuff. I already know you good. Take that offering. Get out of my sight. Take that offering. Go offer it to somebody who doesn't love you. There's somebody out there who's mad at you. I'd rather you take your offering. Ah, Jesus. Ah, Jesus. I'd rather you take your heart ah, and fix it with your brother. Then ah, come and stand before me and try to worship. It's what we must do in the family business. And I'm telling you, in the body of Christ, there are so many scars and bruises. There's so many people who need therapy in the church because a church hurt, church hurt hurts. And it's real. Church hurt hurts. And people in the name of the Lord, in the name of the thinking they are doing right by God by hurting you. And God says, I don't want you in the choir. I want you. You know, if you offended somebody, you know, because they told you, well, that hurt, you know, that hurt me. That hurt me. And and then here's what you say. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. What the bejeezy? Wait a minute. That is not the right. I'm sorry you feel that way. How did I hurt you? How can I fix it? And why? Why? Why, Sharita? Why, Omari? Because I want my offering to be accepted before God. Because I want my life to matter again. 
I want my walk in spiritual sacrifice to be acceptable to God. But as long as you know somebody's out there who's got an issue with you, you cannot offer anything to God. It will be rejected. This is ministry at its finest. Ministry is finding the people you hurt and fixing it. Ain't nobody preaching that. Ain't nobody preaching that. Ain't nobody preaching that. Find the people you hurt and fix it. Lord bless me. Give me a new business. Oh, falling, shaking over, running over. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Give me all that. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Find the people you hurt and fix it. People in the body of Christ have spiritual contusions. They have hyperextended emotions because we took advantage of somebody for our personal gain. But for the grace of God and his extension to us to be reconciled to him, he would be a, we would be all be in the same situation. What if God didn't come to us? What if God didn't reconcile with us? Jesus became the propitiation. He became the go-between. What did he do? He said, before I can start this off, he says, I'm going to make it right. Adam sinned against God. He offended God with sin. And God said, I'll be the bigger person. I will fix it as a teacher and as a lesson to us. And he was the one offended. And Jesus came to the cross, hung on the cross, died for our sin. And you won't even pick up the phone to say, but God ain't say get on the cross and hang, get pierced in the side. You won't even pick up the phone to call and say, I'm sorry. Jesus had to drink vinegar. Jesus had to be beat and stripped of his skin. Jesus had to be nailed in his wrist and pierced in the side. Jesus had to be ridiculed and mocked. You can't send a text to say, my bad. Oh, it's bloody. It's bloody on the internet. It's bloody, all right. It's bloody right now. But for the grace of God, he gave all of mankind the opportunity to change to be in a better position. All right. Here's my last one. I'm out of time. Start living again. In other words, be okay to leave. Live, live your life as a gift, right? Keep a good memory. Remember who's out there you hurt. Then, you know, uh, uh, be okay with leaving. Once you remember, leave it. Go get it. And then fix what you broke. Leave to go fix it. But then come back. Start living again. Get your gift. The text said return. God wants us at the altar. God wants you in service. God wants you in worship. God wants your gift. 
God wants your passion in the earth. God wants you to wake up in the, in the morning like, ooh, I'm going to make a difference today. I'm going to make a difference today. But the reality is some of us don't get up excited because we know we have unfinished business with people we've hurt. Find the altar in life again. The place where you give yourself in a way that makes others better. God gave you a gift to make a difference in the earth. Everybody has a gift. Some are attorneys. Some are basketball players. Some are singers. Some are doctors. Some are scientists. Some are therapists. Everybody has a contribution to make the world better. Find your altar fix what's wrong and then come back to serve. There's so many Christians, workers and servers who are sitting at home like loaf potatoes, loaves of bread, sitting like bags of potatoes on the couch because they've given up their service. 20 years ago, they was leading the deacon board, they was counting the money, they were singing in the choir, but somebody heard them and they never found resolution so all of their service stopped. God is calling, ooh, ooh, he's calling, ooh, he's calling Every Christian worker who used to teach Sunday school, who used to help help people and care for people and do a prayer ministry, get up at five in the morning. You used to do that. What happened? God wants your service. Get back in line and make your offering. Take the gift from before the altar and now put it on the altar. In other words, actually give it to God. Take your stuff and put it back to work. You gotta do something. And God says, if you give it to me after you fix your stuff, I guarantee I'll accept it. Wouldn't you like to live your life knowing that when you lift your hands in worship, it's received. Now remember, listen, if you can't remember that you've offended anybody and somebody's out you, listen, I, what can you do? But the point is, if you know you've hurt somebody and you remember it, everything pauses until you fix it. You got seven days till the next time we online. You got seven days to fix it. You mad at me, ain't you? You mad. That's all right. I need the nurse ministry. I need I need the, the white dresses with the, the, the you know, remember the nurses? <laughs> with they had the, the prayer men, they come with their little hats on. I need the nurse ministry. Here, here. I'm telling you this. Nip it in the butt. Nip it in the butt. Nip it in the butt. The text said, do it quickly before it goes to court. In other words, nip it in the bud means, you know, a bud, a bud is like, it's before it blooms. In other words, before it blooms, that's what nip it in the bud means. Nip it in the bud. In other words, get it while it's a bud before it full blooms. Before people get full blown raged, angry at you and will never forgive you, hurry up and remember. And the idea is, the idea is, the text said, while you're on your way to court, ooh, this is, oh, I got so much experience with court. I just have so much experience. I really understood this passage. He said, in other words, agree quickly. Agree quickly. In other words, do you know why attorneys always have a sidebar before they go before the judge? What are they asking for? They're looking for a stipulation. It's called a stipulation. In other words, it's a settlement. 
Do you have a settlement agreement? God is saying before you get before the judge and you let your life be in the hands of an earthly judge, he says, find a way to settle your differences on the way to the judge, on the way to court. Find a way to stipulate. Find a way to make an agreement because you don't want your life in the hands of the consequences of the choices you made. God said, I rather would get you to get forgiveness and let me handle the outcome of your life rather than you fighting before a judge in court and letting the court decide the outcome of your life. You don't belong to the court. You belong to me. I am your father. That's why it's called the family business. And that's why it says when your brother has an art with you, because Corinthians says, Corinthians says that believers are not supposed to take other believers to court, period. And the inference is, the reason Paul teaches that is because the idea is two believers ought to be able to come to some agreement in Jesus' name. So what the heck is happening where two believers in God have to go to court because they can't find a compromise and both are Christians? You want, you want to blow this tape up, don't you? You want the internet to stop again, don't you? I know this teaching is not heard of and ain't nobody blasting this over the radio, but I know I'm God led and I know this is purposeful today. But I'm telling you, Corinthians teaches you are not supposed to take your brother to court because, and then he says, God said, it, it, paraphrasing, but it basically says, don't air your dirty laundry in front of the, the unbeliever. Because the unbeliever will be less likely to believe if you bring in your, you're supposed to have God and supposed to have the answer and y'all can't forgive. So now you go to court and the world looks at your drama and then you want to say, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. They said, nope, I ain't accept you. You can't even get along with your own brother. God is saying, nip it in the bud. If you know somebody you've offended, go squash it quickly. Because if it's brought before the judge, they can use what they have against you to hurt you. You don't want the people you've offended to keep collecting data and have time to keep researching and asking people and getting more gossip. Because as soon as you blow up or try to get your life together, here they come from left field putting stuff up on the internet, blasting pictures of you, talking about all the stuff you used to do back in the day, all that could have been eliminated if in the first week of the problem, you called them and said, I'm sorry. There's too much fighting in the family of God. I'm going to say it again. There's too much fighting in the, in the, among the saints. It's too much fighting among Christians. And because this is true, our families are not blessed. Our offerings are decaying right before the altar of God. Old offerings are drying out a foul stench from neglect and no one claiming them. Because nobody can get an altar, get a gift past the altar. So they're packing up, stacking up with stenches of foul odors. Because nobody in the body of Christ can claim them because you're too cowardly to end your offense with somebody. All these gifted Christians run around. Ain't nothing getting to heaven. But you're full of gifts. 
Don't you remember Corinthians? The Corinthian church was as carnal as I don't know what. But the Bible said they was gifted like craziness. You can be gifted and out of order, boo. You can be gifted and anointed and ain't nothing getting through. I think I'm going to need a car to come pick me up from my house. So many people roam in depression and shame and guilt because the consequences of life seem so unbearable and they never return to God as instructed above to pick up their gift and put it on the altar again. They just quit. Don't let your gift go unclaimed. Don't let your gift go unclaimed. You left it at the altar and you're meandering out there in the world. Do you understand that baggage left at the airport too long is given or sold to somebody else? Don't let your gift at the altar be given to somebody else. Don't let the looters come and steal what you should be offering to God. Don't let somebody else get your praise. Don't let anybody else bask in your worship. That's what it means. The rocks will cry out if you don't pray. The rocks will start singing if you don't because you won't pick up your gift. Even Jesus said to those with the talents, he said, if you don't use your talent, take it from him and give it to somebody else. In this case, our judgment is the consequence of our actions. Clear up your matters before those matters land you in court before judges and you end up paying somebody for the rest of your life. I conclude with this. Is how I'm living an acceptable gift to God? That's your question as we prepare. The big overarching message is, is that your offering won't be acceptable if you don't reconcile with those you've offended. So my question to you is, has your ministry stopped? Has your worship been halted because your offering is no longer accepted? Are you coming to church week after week, but still your life is empty? That means your gift is not getting through. There's no way you should come to worship and experience God's love and his word and fellowship and you still be depressed and sad. There's no reason for good word, good word, good nutritious, nutritionist messages and powerful anointed messages you come to church, but you're empty. You read your word, but you're empty. You pray, but nothing happens. It could be that God is not receiving your worship. It could be that God is not receiving your praise. Your offerings are on hold because you won't obey him and give your offering of forgiveness to those you've wronged. God wants our hearts more than he wants our gifts. I'll say that again. God wants our hearts more than he wants our gifts. So write these takeaways down. Number one, live with no offense toward others. Live with no offense toward others. Number two, what you do, what you don't correct can hurt you. What you don't correct can hurt you. And number three, Unreconciled differences reject our gifts to God. Unreconciled differences reject our gifts to God. So because gifts aren't acceptable, 
You say, well, he ain't taking my calls anyway, and I'll just quit. No. Keep praying. Keep trying. Keep coming to worship until you get a breakthrough. Pray until the matter heals, until you find a way to resolve it. Let's heal so we can collect all those unclaimed gifts before God's altar. And when we have altar call today, I'm aware not everybody will be able to come today because of the nature of this message. It was okay last week because you didn't know. But now, if you don't know, now you know. But now that you've been enlightened, you must act on it. So do your best to reconcile with those whom you've offended and hopefully you can be fully in worship, ready to offer your gifts to God. I want worship service to be off the chain next week. I want somebody's books to even out next week in your relationships. Come prepared to give your gift to God knowing it's acceptable. Some of y'all offering gifts. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure, Lord, if they're going to get through, but I'm, I'm going to lift my hands anyway. No, come knowing that what you have to give, God will receive. God wants you all in. Let's make the family business a family again. Not at war with one another. Why? Because some things just ought not to be. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.